Hi, everyone. This is fun. This week on the podcast, I'm talking with seven members of the first Annie Student Committee and Kara Cook, staff member at Annie, who is leading the program. It was a great conversation. Enjoy. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm really excited to talk with you all today as a, as a group of students who are interested, nursing students who are interested in environment and health. Welcome to the podcast. Why don't we just start and we can go down down the list. And if you just say your name and what school you're at and what program you're in, what you're what you're working on. Um, how about Liz? Sure. Um, so I'm Liz and I am at the University of Minnesota and I am in the BSN program. So I've started right after I was a senior in high school and now looking to be a RN by the end of May 2021. Cool. Tiffany. Hi, my name is Tiffany. So I'm a university student at Philadelphia University. I'm pursuing my Bachelor of Science in Nursing. I also have minors in Full Health, Ethan Justice, and Honor. Great, thank you. Um, Daniela. Hello, I'm Daniela Rossi. I am in the MSN program at the University of San Francisco. I'm emphasizing in the clinical nurse leader role. And I come here from a bachelor's in UC Davis um, in human development. Great. Andrew. My name's Andrew Jensen and I am go to the University of Minnesota and I am completing a BSN program and going to be graduating in May of 2021. Terrific. Elise. Hi, I'm Elise Krikorian. I'm in a BSN four-year program at Penn State University and I will be graduating in May of 2021. Awesome. Ari. Hi, I'm Ari Marashi. I am a nursing student at St. Catherine University in our um, BSN program, and I will also be graduating in May 2021. Great. And Talia. I'm Talia Briana. I am a direct entry nursing student at the Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions um, with a previous degree in biology and minor in health and medicine from the University of Maine at Farmington. So I graduate with my MSN in 2022. Fabulous. And we also have Kara Cook. Kara, you want to say hello? Hello, this is Kara Cook here. I'm the Climate and Health Program Manager for the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. And I was also the staff member that helped support the Annie Student Nurse Committee throughout the past year. So Kara, tell us about that. How, why did you start a nurse committee? What have you been doing? How have you gotten people engaged? Yeah, so the, um, the Student Nurse Committee was an idea that came out from our partnership um, a few years ago that we started with the National Student Nurses Association. And we were looking for ways to engage nursing students around uh, environmental health, climate change, and a number of other um, environmental justice issues that are impacting communities. Uh, and, and so what we did as a 
through our partnership with NSNA was um, to form this Annie Student Nurse Committee, uh, which this was 2020 was the first year that we did this. Um, we have eight student nurses that are on the committee. And um, we really did this as a way to, we were seeing lots of opportunities within Annie for nurses to engage, but not necessarily opportunities for student nurses. And we wanted to bridge that gap. And so this was an opportunity where we could have a student-led committee speaking specifically to engaging nursing students, as well as helping them to build the leadership skills within environmental health so that we're creating this pipeline of nurses that are ready to address these issues within practice. And so the way the committee is structured is we have um, one student nurse who is a liaison between the committee and NSNA, and that's Elise, um, who in 2020 was the chair of the Population Health Committee through NSNA. Um, and then we had students apply from across the country for um, serving on the committee. And that's how we have these, this great group of students here with you today. Fabulous. Well, well, congratulations to you all for diving in. This is on top of, I know, a very, very busy curriculum that you're all um, succeeding at wildly, I can tell. Um, so I thought, I have a few questions. I'd just like to hear from different, different uh, voices. Um, and so we'll kind of just move around. But I wonder if, if um, who would like to say, how did you learn about this? And how did you get involved? Um, Ari, how about if you would address that? Yeah, um, so I was just um, meeting with my advisor last year, and um, I was talking to her about different opportunities, different things that I was interested in, um, just asking for her opinion that if she knows of any um, opportunities that are out there. Um, and she told me she would get back to me. So eventually she emailed me with the um, Annie opportunity for the student committee, and I thought that was a wonderful thing. So. I applied right away. I spent hours working on my resume and all. So, yeah. Well, good work. And were you were you interested in um, environmental issues or climate change particularly before? Yep, I was um, definitely interested in like environmental just injustices and how it affects our communities, especially in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, there's a wide variety of issues that are going on here that I've been keeping my eye on the past two years. Great, thank you. Uh, let's see, Liz, how about you? How did you get involved? So actually, one of our um, professors at the University of Minnesota, Shanda DeMorris, uh -huh. she is um, a part of Annie. And so she actually came in for a public health class and she talked about how climate change specifically influences our health and the different ways that it does that. And so after class and after I watched a couple documentaries that made me angry enough to be like, oh my gosh, I have to do something. Um, I emailed her and asked her, hey, like, what can I do? I know that you, she left um, U of M to go to do a job in um, planetary health. So I asked her and she gave me the application for Annie. And um, then I applied and it was actually a few days late, but then I was just like, she was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just make sure that they get it. So that was good. Terrific. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's great to have mentors who can connect you with other people who share interests, isn't it? Well, let me ask a different question of, of some of the others of you. From your work in this so far, the collaborative, um, what has been impactful for you? Tiffany, do you want to respond to that? 
So for me, what was really um, impactful and helpful from participating in this opportunity uh, was finding concrete ways to take the passion for environmental health and take the passion for social justice and um, like addressing environmental injustices and finding concrete ways um, to act on it and things that we can do about it, really. Um, and that was really helpful for me to say I could participate in the advocacy work group through ANHE and learn what is currently been do, being done and what we want to do with our, our passion. Yeah, so important. Turning, turning um, our concerns and frustrations into action and feeling like we can make a difference. So that's great. I'm so glad you found that. Uh, let's see. Um, Daniela, how about you? What's been impactful to you about your experience on the student group? I think what's been most impactful was kind of what you guys have just said. It's the, we, we came from a standpoint of how can we get people interested? How can we get people started that, you know, don't, they don't have a platform where we're coming from. We are coming from a, we're a very passionate group. Um, so I think we hope that it came out in our magazine that we made. And it, I think the most impactful part, part was just seeing how can we, how can we, grasp people who you know may not have the passion we have or may not be as excited as we are about this stuff but just plant the seed you know try to our whole motto was kind of we need imperfect actions we don't need perfect actions right off the bat um and all these imperfect actions can build up and they do make a difference so terrific that's that's inspiring to hear um elise when you think about your role because you're you're straddling two organizations it sounds like um does does what your peers have just said about action resonate with you? And is there a particular area of action that you're interested in? So I think it's really interesting with NSNA, I got to meet a lot of different people and people had had things that they were passionate and it was all very different. But through that, like, I feel like I learned a lot from other people and I have been passionate about climate change and the environment and how that's impacting our health. So that's what I was trying to bring to the table to make other people more aware of that. And then through this group, like to me, it's been such an honor to see how hard everyone works, like everyone in this group and how passionate they are. And to me, that makes me feel like I could accomplish more and that I can change more of my personal habits to have an impact like from eating less meat or walking when I can instead of driving and like going through that compost guide and figuring out, okay, I'm gonna start my own compost, like we're gonna do it. So those small actions I think can go a long way and through both of the experience I have grown and then I feel like I've been able to share that and impact other people. Terrific. Okay, let's let's switch gears just a little bit. And I just wonder, since some of you are close to graduation, have you found that this is influencing what you think you might like to do in nursing? And Andrew, I'll come to you first. Um, just wondering if it's influenced either your, your goals, your dreams, what you think is uh, an opportunity, what, um, you know, things that you didn't know nurses did, something like that. What have, what, how has that influenced you? For sure. Uh, this work uh, student group has been um, very influential in kind of helping me determine what I want to do in the future. 
um, because when I first started um, nursing school, I wasn't really sure what type of focus um, I wanted to go into. But through the courses at the University of Minnesota, which is um, very public health focused, um, I was able to um, get that groundwork and combine it with my passion for planetary health um, and how uh, climate change is impacting human health and all of that um, and kind of moving forward and realizing that I want to um, work in the public health sector to educate others and help mitigate the effects that climate change has on health and how personally and institutionally we can um, help draw down emissions. Great. So such needed work. Um, Talia, how would you respond to that question? I think that what Andrew said is probably very similar to my response. I think the only thing that um, I can add is nurses have a very large role of advocating and usually we discuss advocating for our patients. And I think that also can extend to advocating for a community. And so that kind of encompasses the impact that the environment has on the health of the community and then also as individuals. And so, um, you know, my dream is to be in primary care in maybe a small or um, rural community. And so to be able to take the education that I have and then educate patients and motivate them to take the um, environmentally friendly actions for their health, the same way that in this group we're trying to motivate fellow nurses and other um, healthcare professionals. So I think it's just all about advocating, motivating, and educating other people to get on the, on the ball on this and start focusing on how the environment and our health are connected. Well, let's follow up on that idea and here, here's some of your perspectives of why, why are these things connected? Why, why does it matter to nursing that we tend to the health of the environment or environmental issues that impact our world? Who'd like to address that? All right, so this is Liz. Um, so I think that one thing that we always talk about in our ethics course for nursing is just how it is important as nurses to advocate, like um, Talia was saying, and then also just realizing that we need to do more to protect people's health and on that action it is to address these environmental issues because we know by science that things will happen there are changes that are going to happen and this influences our health whether it's making the climate warmer and the bugs that carry diseases can live longer or go into different areas that they weren't before or the floods that can damage homes and then displace people and then also have just injuries from natural disasters. All of these things interact, they accumulate, and then they're gonna, we're gonna see patients with more asthma, more um, dying of heat stroke, people who are getting too cold or something like that. So it's our duty as nurses ethically to say, hey, let's, make let's do something to prevent this we want to do preventative medicine and a part of that is addressing the climate issues and being politically active to support that um i think liz kind of did a great job at summarizing everything and i just wanted to highlight that um, as nurses we're going to be seeing these patients who are coming into hospitals or clinics um, with the impacts that um, climate change is having on their health and we're going to have to educate them that this is happening because of climate change and um, really be the face of this movement 
um, to be able to, because we're gonna be right there side by side with patients, um, whether that be if they're confused, if um, their house or their farm is flooded, that doesn't usually, that doesn't usually happen, and kind of um, advocating for those patients on the forefront of this environmental crisis that we're having, um, and really just that connection that we get to have with patients and leveraging the trust they have in us um, to educate um, ourselves and the community is um, something that nurses are gonna have to do in the future. Great. I'd like Thank to you. add on to that as well. So this is Talia and I just wanted to highlight a point that Andrew made and that is that climate change is not an issue of the future and I know that there is a large part of our population that likes to think that climate change is something we don't need to talk about or face right now and I think as nurses our biggest role is to help patients realize that what is going on in their lives is the effects of climate change right now in the present moment and um, that we need to address that and that we can um, make changes no matter how small. Now I wanted to add to that, um, yeah. just echoing you that I'm speaking from California. So forest fires here um, have been the highlight in the news aside from COVID, but you got to think about these fires are so you have smoke inhalation, you have asthma exacerbations, you have displacements, you have people now, they have to be evacuated from their homes and are now crowding in small environments, living with extended family in the time of COVID, which is something we are all trying to avoid right now. So it has a trickle effect and it is happening now. And not only that, but that smoke all the way from California is coming to me, Talia, on the East Coast, and then it's affecting people over here. So as nurses, if we need to, or if we want to give good care to our patients, we're not only looking at them, their social life or their physical ailments, mental ailments, we're also looking at, okay, what environmental um, exposures are they having, which can be all the way from those forest fires in California that's exacerbating asthma. I mean, we had foggy skies in Boston um, just a couple days after the forest fire started. Our patients come to us in the context of the social conditions that they live in. And so that means that things like environmental degradation have a huge role on their health. And like someone else said, like we see rates of increasing things like asthma and heart disease and things like that, and that's attributed to the environmental degradation. And it's absolutely an issue we're facing right now, not an issue that we're facing later, but currently. Um, and it's important for us as nurses to recognize that we have a really um, advantageous role at the bedside where we're seeing that currently happen and where we can take our perspectives um, to the advocacy level and say like, hey, this is a huge issue right now that we need to address. Um, because I think a lot of times, like some, like Talia said, like, we're thinking that this is an issue that is small or that it's a future issue of the future, but it's an issue that we're seeing right now that's only going to continue to grow. Well, that le leads to a topic that several of you have mentioned already, which is environmental justice. So what are, what are you learning about that? What are you <clears throat> most concerned about? Um, let's talk about that a little bit, whoever would like to speak up. I can speak to that. All right. Um, so, so for me, what I see environmental justice as is recognizing that um, while climate change, while environmental degradation affects all of us, a lot of times, we see that it affects poor communities and communities of color 
largely and the most because they may be placed um, in areas that are right next to things like waste centers or pollution centers, and they're getting the hardest hit. And it also means recognizing that a lot of times when we talk about environmental health and environmentalism, we leave people of like poor communities and communities of color out of the conversation. We have to recognize not only are they being hit the hardest, but what can we do to focus our efforts also on helping them, pulling them, and it's really big to listen to them. Because a lot of times they're saying, hey, we are having high rates of asthma or things like that, and we're in buildings with lead, or we are right next to a building that's blowing a bunch of smoke all the time. Um, so it's really important to listen to their voices because they know what they're experiencing, they know what they're going through, um, and we have to recognize that they have to be included in the conversation. Yes, here, here. Other comments about that? I completely agree with everything that um, Tiffany just said. Um, we have to remember that it's factual that Black, Indigenous, and people of color, they've suffered so many environmental injustices. Um, years and years ago, they were segregated into these areas that were less desirable, um, areas where there's a lot of pollution and a lot of factories and just a lot of things going on. And these families have grown up with so many different illnesses like asthma and cancer. And it, it's in the facts, there's research. And we need to keep in mind that these communities are out there and whether they're in the city or in a rural area, we have to keep in mind that, you know, they also don't really have the resources to kind of speak up for themselves or it, it's just, we need to keep in mind that we are nurses and we have to we have to look at the group as a whole so we have to start with those communities that are suffering and um you know educate and be advocates so and also educate ourselves as well because a lot of this stuff is not really a lot of things that we've learned in our programs uh, we briefly go over it, but it's not something that's really prioritized. And I feel like that's a really big issue in itself. Mm -hmm. That's a real, real benefit of this, this collaboration, it sounds like. And also, I understand you've been doing community projects. Would, would someone like to tell us about your project? I can, and I can kind of set the stage for yeah, how um, the student committee was structured and the work that they did throughout the year. And so we kind of, as you can tell, this is a group of movers and shakers. And so they really were the drivers of this committee. Uh, and we gave them this loose structure of, you know, we, we'd like you to work on a project throughout the year. You can choose the topic that you'd like to work on. You could choose, you know, what that final product looks like. We just want you to kind of be working together and collaborate on something that's relating to environmental health. And so what came from that is that there was interest in working on something relating to compost and then interest on working around this issue of environmental injustices. And so I'd love for um, the folks who worked on those projects to kind of share a little bit about um, kind of their process and the final project that came out of it, because it, it's truly amazing work. And um, I just want to let you all know that we are going to be posting, um, you know, the fact sheets and guides that they developed on the Annie website. So these will be resources for you all to use um, in your nursing work or to use beyond nursing. Um, and we're also hoping to do a webinar with the uh, Student Nurses Association to continue to share the amazing work that was done. Mm -hmm. 
Fabulous. Well, do tell. So I can start. This is Elise. Ari, Tiffany, and I were on the Environmental Injustice Committee. And I know for us, the beginning was kind of a struggle because it was this very broad topic. So it was like, how do we empower people in this? Like, what is a resource we can make to embody what this is? And that was difficult. We went through a couple different ideas in the beginning. And I, Tiffany really was the one who was like, why don't we reach out to some different organizations that work with this topic to kind of see. So we had met with the um, Alternatives for Community and Environment and worked with them and ended up developing flyers related to heat and extreme cold. So Ari worked with cold and the homeless population. If her and Tiffany want to talk more about that. So um, this is Ari. My flyers were um, specifically targeted for um, effects of extreme cold weather and the homeless population. Um, as I mentioned, I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. So in Minnesota and the upper Midwest, we get very extreme cold we winter weather um, below zero. It's just really awful in the winter. So I was um, thinking about what we can do to focus on the homeless communities and what we can do to help. And especially in the time of the pandemic, things that aren't really involved with close contact with big groups of people, um, but just ideas just like handing out bus passes and calling on Congress to open up more like warming spaces, spaces where um, the homeless community can go and stay safe for the night. Or um, they're also opening up um, some hospitals and some hotels where um, they can stay, but we wanna make sure that those are staying open and they're not gonna end up closing them again. Um, that was an issue that we had here this summer. So just keeping in mind that population. Terrific. Yeah, and echoing what Elise and Ari said, we really wanted to see what the current efforts were uh, because we knew like the people who live in these communities are being affected by environmental injustice are really experts on what is happening and they really have um, a voice that is so important to listen to. Um, and it's really important to hear what they're saying and what, what, they're, what they want done because they really know, they sort of know best with their experience. Um, so we worked with ACE or the Alternatives for Community Environment, as she said, um, and oh, I'm shifting that away. Um, and so what I focused on was uh, increasing heat and extreme heat because, as we know, one of the big things with climate change is extreme heat and the environment getting warmer, and it has such a massive impact on people that we don't recognize. Um, and there are so many health impacts of that, and we just often think, oh, it's dehydration, but it's so much more than just dehydration. Um, and so I focus on older adults and how it affects them um, and health, the health impacts of it, what they can do about it and things of that nature. Um, and then we each made posters on the different topics that we were focused on that was then passing on to ACE so they can um, sort of distribute throughout their communities, tell their community, here's an issue, here's what you can do about it, here's what um, here's how it affects you and sort of that train of thought. That sounds just wonderful and a great contribution. I'm glad those resources will be available. Uh, what about the other project? 
this is Talia. I can start us off. So um, Talia, Liz, Andrew, and Daniela decided to um, tackle composting for our full um, project. And I think, I mean, we can all speak for ourselves on, you know, what brought us to why we wanted to be involved in in the compost side of things. But for me personally, um, I've been composting with my mom at home for years and we just do it in our backyard and it's really simple. And I never really understood why other people don't compost, they keep all of their um, food waste out of landfills. So, and also to help like draw down that carbon emissions like Andrew mentioned earlier. So when we started um, trying to figure out what direction we were gonna go with this, we had a very, very big dream, which was to make two guides actually the first we wanted to be directed towards motivating individuals, meaning the nurses who are listening now, um, and maybe just friends, family, whoever read the guide to start taking that imperfect action, like Daniela said, and begin a composting method at home. And then we wanted to complete that guide and take it to the next level, which was to encourage universities and hospitals to implement composting because we know that they have a much larger impact and especially with hospitals we know how much um, food waste there is so um, unfortunately we didn't have time to execute both however our first guide we began by trying to figure out what the steps are to composting and what phases we called them um, that we wanted to address in the guide. So we started with, you know, like, why should you compost or what are other options before leading to compost, meaning how can you reduce and reuse your food waste? And um, then, you know, what are your options? People have so many different living situations, you know, not everybody has a garden in their backyard like I do. So what can you do, you know, if you live in an apartment building? Um, those things are just in the guide so that everybody can find a way to take action to compost. And um, yeah, so we, we just wanted to make the guide something that is, um, you're able to take a feasible action, right? It's not something that, we're not being unrealistic with what, what we're presenting in the guide. It's really a realistic approach to how you can make change at home. And I don't know if any of the other composting members want to speak to what drew them in or other parts of the guide that I haven't mentioned. Um, this is Liz. So I'm just going to add on to it. So um, I came from a background of not composting. I knew that it was an environmentally friendly activity, but I didn't really know how it worked. And I also, um, this is me following some documentaries that were talking about agriculture. And um, I also had a friend who was in an environmental program here at the U and she was uh, taking a soils class. And I was like, why do you have to take a soils class? Isn't it just soil? But then I realized that there's so many other elements in soil that actually, you know, it provides food. It is the reason why we can have life on this earth because it provides the food that we need for in any way, whether it's directly through plants or indirectly through meat, which eats the plants. So I um, was super interested to know the science of composting. 
So my specific section was kind of how to manage a backyard compost if you were like the typical idea of compost when you first think about it. And um, I would just like to say that I think we did a really good job in trying to make it digestible for everyone because we would have paragraphs and like that can be overwhelming for a lot of people to read. But we also were really creative in making infographics and using that as a quick reference for people. And then um, if they wanted to read more, if they wanted to understand more, they could read more of what the content inside a magazine. So I think it was, it was a really good experience. I learned a lot. I feel like I could explain the science of composting and the reasons why we need both greens and browns in our compost because it represents the elements in our soil. And I am just super proud that we were able to accomplish something so tangible. Fabulous. Add from, I guess, my background into this. I'm coming from the, I guess, waste reduction uh, perspective. So, you know, we have composting, you have someone who's never composted, but interested in soil. We have, you know, climate change activists. And I come from a waste reduction perspective. I went to UC Davis. It's a global leader in sustainability. And freshman year, right off the bat in the dorms, there were in the dining commons, there were waste audits and food audits. And they show you the bins of food that was wasted in those three months. And you see, they take out plates from the lines that after you've eaten, they'll take some plates that have like 80% of the food still on it. And it just brought awareness. I think they planted the seed freshman year there. And then I went into uh, working at the coffee house there. And so working with food and we're serving 7,000 people a day. It's, it's a massive um, operation. And there we were composting. There was like continuously doing waste audits. And so it kind of is just the culture. And so it that's kind of ties into the name of this mindless composting guy that we have. It becomes second nature. And that's kind of our goal with it is that it sounds, oh, how do I separate greens and browns? And, you know, how do I know what to put in compost and what not to? And we kind of wanted, we did break it down. We did start from the beginning, but we want to reassure you that eventually, like some of these things are going to, it's going to be mindless to you. It's going to just be part of your routine. And so again, to come back around from the waste reduction standpoint, I was in charge of the reduce and reuse side of things. And it's just one, just being mindful, just how in the dining commons, they just made you aware. It's just start like, look at what you're throwing away often. Is there a bag of spinach that you keep buying every week that you keep throwing away? You know, is it a storage issue or is it, you know, maybe I just, I should only buy spinach when I know I'm going to use it for a certain recipe and I have a goal for it. Or maybe it's my carrots are always wilting and I don't like wilted carrots. Look, maybe I can store them differently, you know, to make them more appealing to me. It's, like my leftovers, I've eaten this three days in a row. I don't want it anymore. How can you spice it up? Let's change it up so you don't have to throw it away. Um, your veggie scraps, you know, the peels, it's, let's make this into a stock. If you save it all in the freezer, you can make a stock out of it eventually. And then, so let's reduce and reuse first. Any little bit helps. And then obviously you will have inevitable waste. There are the food scraps. And let's see how we can compost that. So... Yeah, we, we tackle a lot of perspectives here. That's cool. Andrew, anything else to add? Yeah, definitely. So I come from a, a background of Project Drawdown and now Nurses Drawdown. And so I wanted to bring the perspective, perspective of why do we need to compost in the first place? Like, yes, it's a great way to you 
create a fertilizer, um, reduce, reuse, and compost your food scraps. Um, but I wanted to think more broadly and why should I be doing this in the first place? So my specific section was why should we compost? And I tied in the um, five key areas that Nurses Drawdown highlights and um, focused on the food section, which is um, to reduce food waste. Um, and then further with that, with your inevitable food scraps, um, we're gonna compost because this helps sequester carbon and draw down emissions. And so I wanted to bring that perspective of um, like nearly half of uh, uh, waste is biodegradable and um, globally. And so what can we do institutionally, um, individually to um, kind of better society in a way that we're not wasting as much and um, also when we're um, taking that individual action, we're motivated to see a bigger picture of if we all collectively do this small action, we could um, get a big result from it. That's great. These are two, two really uh, amazing projects. And just to contrast them for a moment, you know, when you are thinking about the compost, you've, it sounds like you've done a really uh, wonderful job of tying together a number of different pieces, making it relevant, uh, linking it to our big challenges and also making it achievable as as you described in the beginning and that um, That is not so easy to do right you had to learn about it. You had to figure it out. You had to break it down but um, That's really wonderful to have this tangible product project or product and we contrast that or or liken that to the environmental justice work, which is enormously complex um, it touches on so many features in terms of justice, obviously, inclusion, um, economics, uh, impact, and it seems like a harder problem to solve, huh? I mean, we are, we're not going to solve it overnight, that's for sure, but it's really wonderful that you're, you had this opportunity to dive into that thorny problem. I mean, these are both thorny problems in, in different ways, you know, the the composting is a more tangible thorny problem and the environmental injustice that we that we see and are trying to respond to is um, sometimes the the tangible parts are hard to see. I mean, there's a lot of intangibles that we don't always see, but this is fabulous. I'm so excited to hear hear about your uh, your work. Um, I wanted to just ask you all because you are the first uh, probably group of students to be in school during a pandemic. I mean, we haven't had a pandemic in a long time. It has overwhelmed the world and the nation and healthcare. And I'm sure that it has really changed your experience as students, you know, from clinical placement to what you're learning about, to um, addressing uh, safety yourselves, especially in clinical situations. Um, and I just wanted to open that question to see if you all had um, anything to say about that, to reflect on that experience, um, kind of as noticing this point in time, that here we are in the middle of a pandemic, we're also in the middle of an environmental crisis, as you have spoken so eloquently about. But I just wondered if you all had comments about that. This is Talia. I have just one, one thought that came to mind, which was this large transition for all of us to having so many Zoom meetings or virtual meetings, I think actually benefited this group specifically because we're 
national, like we're all over the country. And the only way that we could talk was virtually anyways. And for me personally, I found that this adjustment to seeing everybody over Zoom actually made me feel more connected to my, my co-students and coworkers here. And I think that really helped um, us create this great guide that we did. So I, I like to look at all of the, the positives that have come out of a hard year of, of change. This is Ari. Um, I also agree that having these projects were definitely a great way to keep up the work with um, composting and environmental injustice. Um, obviously in the news is all COVID and there's so many other things going on and it's kind of a way for us to kind of get our minds off of that and move forward with what we want to do for the future and just stick together and um, you know, we were already doing Zoom meetings in the beginning of the year, too, for this, so it, it was just, it was a great transition. Um, I think for um, personally, outside of this group, what's kind of helped me cope with this um, and my nursing program as well, everybody has suffered greatly and school hasn't been the easiest thing, but we um, have stuck together as a group and we are very supportive. We had made our own Facebook group within my program for our class and we all motivate each other. We ask each other questions and we're just there for each other. And also in the community, we reach out and we ask if there's anything we can do for others and just letting everybody know that we're here for each other. Nobody is alone because at this time, everybody feels alone. We're stuck in our houses and it's not, it's not great, but keeping together is very helpful. Think about environmental health and think about COVID. We're noticing like we, we as a country and we as a nation, um, institutional, with our institutions and with the way we set up our health system and, and overall where we've set up so many things, we almost don't prioritize the health of people living in poverty, the health of people of color because We've seen with COVID how um, people of color, especially black people, are having some of the highest mortality rates and uh, how they're so often, they're so having such high rates of infection with COVID. Um, and it's, it's showing us that we have to look at the way that we have set up um, our health system and the way that we've set up our institutions and the way that we've um, set up policies that don't give people of color and people living in poverty a fair chance at achieving optimal health. Um, and I think it's really important for us to see how can we promote equity and equality within our health system, in our environmental system, which points to health disparities and points to injustice in the environment. And that's really been a big takeaway for me watching all this happen. Yeah, well said, Tiffany. And it, it seems like, I mean, I, I sometimes feel at least, at least if COVID has helped us see that, that would be, you know, a, a hopeful outcome because it has revealed these injustices in ways that are, have, I think have been very powerful and have gotten a lot of people's attention. Liz, what were you gonna say? I just wanted to speak to how COVID is directly impacting at least my curriculum. Um, so um, COVID, like as a nursing student going into the senior year, I and missing some of the clinical last semester, my main concern was if we were gonna have clinicals or not. And luckily so far we were, have been able to have clinical. Um, 
which, but now with the second surge, um, especially following after Halloween and now people thinking about going home for Thanksgiving and stuff, the surge is probably going to get even stronger and we're seeing our clinical areas becoming more full of COVID. Um, so my clinical has not been canceled yet personally, um, just because there's still enough patients that are not COVID that um, we're able to be like to learn from. But um, as a policy from the School of Nursing at the U of M, University of Minnesota, they said that we're not allowed to go in any COVID positive rooms. Um, so some uh, clinicals that are just med surge became only COVID floors. So some of them have been canceled. And as a senior, I am, I want to make sure I get the practice because if I don't get the practice, how am I going to feel prepared to be in the working force? Of course, they have good orientation programs and stuff like that. But in a time of COVID and the pandemic, they're going to need all hands on deck. And I just want to make sure I'm prepared for that. Um, and then another thing I just wanted to say is that I also have another job as a nursing assistant on a cardiac floor, which is mostly post-op open heart surgery. So um, this is a really high risk population. And I just see the stress of the, of the nurses, of the charge nurse who has to figure out how she's gonna staff people and making sure that they keep COVID out of that floor specifically, because these are people with abnormal rhythms. These are people who are recovering from a sternal incision who if they get infected, they're not gonna be able, if they have to cough, that hurts that they're coughing already um, after a surgery like that. And if they have COVID after, then it's not gonna be a good situation. So I would just like to say that there is definitely an impact of COVID on our nursing curriculum. And I mean, I think that being around all of this, I'm very cognizant and I'm very careful and it's just making sure that the people around me are also being as careful as I am. Um, I am going to kind of echo what Talia said about I try and find the positives in every situation. Um, and since the pandemic started, I have had the opportunity to work as a COVID care tech at a major metropolitan hospital in Minneapolis. And so this past summer, I worked um, in COVID med surge floors, COVID cardiac floors, and in the COVID ICU. And um, just from being in that environment, as well as being in school during a pandemic um, and in this work uh, student group, I've seen the adaptability that everybody has and the resilience. And it's inspiring to me to um, take that outlook um, on potential ways that we can mitigate and draw down emissions in the future, um, just by seeing how adaptable society has become to um, being socially distant, as well as having to wear masks, um, and all of the um, different hardships that people are going through. It's inspiring to me to um, apply that same adaptability to the um, future and that we're going to be able to adapt to um, the different uh, actions that we're going to need to take to draw down emissions and um, clean up society to be greener and healthier for everyone. That is a wonderful, optimistic point of view. And so, so let's shift to this, this last question I had in mind. And Danielle, we start, I'll start with you because I, I don't think we heard from you on the last one. But it really is about this, 
uh, concern versus optimism. And where, where are you all? You know, you're about to launch into your nursing career and you've had this remarkable experience with this uh, fellowship. So what would you say about that? I was trying to come up with an answer for your last question. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a, I'm having a hard time straddling the two with the optimism and the concern. Um, I think the concern stems from just seeing how every state has responded to it differently, seeing how every buddy, you know, interprets this health crisis differently. Um, it really highlighted, the, I mean, health literacy and just these issues that I'm, I'm learning about are in textbooks, you know, and in theory, I, I, it's right in front of my eyes now. And just knowing that you can have the same information, we can all be suffering from the same pandemic right now, but all have different views um, and understandings of the threat of this. And so that's, that's the concerning side for me, but I think it, it's helped me think like, I've had to reflect on myself. How, you know, can I be a better nurse educator? That's part of my curriculum as a clinical nurse leader. It's, we have to serve as an advocate, a, a educator. Um, you know, so I'm trying to think, how can I best just explain things to patients in the future? It's making me really reflect on things that I might not have had to. I just kind of assume, oh, we all, we all understand uh, the threat of a pandemic. Um, so that's the concerning part. The optimism part is we have, like with this group, we've all experienced, like we're going through this together. And yeah, I can like go through it with my classmates and we're in the same program. We get it. We're all, oh, isn't this frustrating? No clinicals. This is stressful. Um, will we be able to graduate on time? But then coming on these calls, speaking to nursing students in different states, like just the same situation and knowing like, wow, it makes you feel connected unfortunately like fortunately and unfortunately but i do feel um kind of hopeful and seeing like the minds of these people seeing like-minded people and i've loved this group and i've loved working with them and i love seeing that you know we have the same mindsets we have um you know we're experiencing <laughs> this hectic chaotic time in all different states and as kind of I'm seeing the concern of all these differences all around the optimism is like look at the similarities you know in it all I feel like I have a lot of concerns because I feel like over the past few months even the past year really I feel like there's a huge disconnect just of us as people like the United States is a very like individualistic culture but I feel like even more so over this past year, and that's become really apparent. And I think there's a huge disconnect between the people that work in healthcare and others, and there's a disconnect between how serious should we take this and the argument of like, how much of my life am I supposed to put on hold for this? But then when you're the one working with these patients and you're seeing how it impacts the family, like this summer, a specific time like a nurse had to call someone's spouse who is in the ICU with COVID and was like they're probably never getting off this ventilator so you have to decide what's going to happen and you're having that conversation over the phone like someone's been in the hospital for 
four weeks. They haven't been able to see their spouse. And this is not someone who is particularly unhealthy or someone that was close to the end of their life. And I think that is really frustrating because it impacts the person, it impacts the healthcare team, it impacts the family. But then on the other hand, you understand that when you do have a shutdown, people lose jobs, people lose their health insurance, we're having issues with mental health. So it's a very like, what do you do? So I think that's kind of concerning and frustrating that there's not a lot of agreement with that. But what always continues to uplift me is interacting with people in settings like this in groups like this with other nursing students or other students and people in different professions and people are understanding so i feel like if you can get those people to speak out and as long as you still are having conversations there are solutions and things that we all can do so it's a sense of hope in that way yeah thank you and and I wonder, uh, just listening to the two of you just now, you know, it's almost like if we weren't in COVID, what you've been discussing could apply to climate change. People don't interpret the facts the same way. People don't talk about it the same way. People recognize we need to do something, but they don't want to impact the economy. Has that, uh, I, I just throw that out as part of this really interesting and challenging time but it's i do think there's there there are some opportunities in this time related to like tiffany was was getting at that that COVID has revealed the injustices that we live with that that daniella you pointed out that we don't all agree even though we have the same apparently the same reality in front of us so i just throw that into the mix but would love to hear from a few others of you about about your concern and optimism For me, I think I am most concerned about um, one day when the pandemic is over and life moves on. I'm afraid that everything that we have learned this year, everybody's just going to forget, you know, we're going to forget how our healthcare workers have suffered and families have suffered from COVID and also our communities of color and black indigenous communities, how they have suffered the most. And we, we can't forget about these things. I know people wanna move on and they wanna forget right now, but we just can't do that. We have to be better as humans. We have to be better as Americans and listen to the people who are suffering. Um, so what I'm optimistic about is the people that are listening and are bringing about change and have Come together in different groups um, and they're acknowledging these issues um, and also our future generations as well they're stepping up and they're speaking out so I'm I'm pretty optimistic in some ways and there's a lot of concerns but there are good things that will be changing in the next few years and I could also speak I know I sounded very pessimistic earlier so <laughs> I um, wanted to um, I mean, I will, like, my concerns are real. I would think that um, I'm pretty optimistic that going into this field is something that I really want to do. This is something that, like, I know that we can all do together. And as everyone said, like, being a part of different like-minded groups kind of supports you and say, like, oh, your ideas, your concerns are real. And, like, you know what? I agree with them, too. So let's do something about it. Um, my one concern, I would say, was just 
2020 has been a wild year and I think I won't get too much into politics, but I think that was one of the most divisive things of this year. And although we'll have a change in the presidency, I just want to make sure people are still aware of what is going on. I think that we can't just say, okay, we, there's no problem anymore. We have someone else that's in the office and let's just make sure he just, he'll, he'll just do it well. I think people just still have to be very cognizant and still continue to be politically aware and just not stop because once you see that there's so many problems systemically, then you know what, I don't think those systemic changes are going to go away if someone new is coming up as in leadership. So I just hope people continue to be aware of what's going on and make sure that they're critical and they criticize what they don't think is right. Great. I'd like to add a point. This is Talia. I just wanted to say that in trying to find similarities between COVID and climate change, I think that we can see that in the day-to-day, -day, most of the time it feels like there's no progress being made. So we feel like, you know, wearing a mask sometimes is pointless, or we feel like social distancing is useless. Um, but we also see, hopefully, especially when we're on the other side of COVID, that everybody's small actions have these ripple effects. And so these small changes are making a big change and they're helping us to keep the spread of the virus down. And I think we can look at climate change the same way. And that's what we're all advocating for in this group, that your small changes, although they feel like they are useless or they're not really doing anything, are making really big changes when everybody takes those small actions together. I guess just one comment. I don't know if I have it as well thought out um, <laughs> as I would like, but to tie in, I don't know if it's, you know, COVID or as Liz was saying that just political divisiveness um, of our nation and just kind of where we've been this past year. But I think a positive, I don't know, maybe I live in a bubble here in San Francisco a little bit probably, but I feel like a lot of things have been starting to be, they're starting to be uncovered now, right? Like we're starting to have conversations on a little more things. And I think if you look back maybe three years ago, you know, we weren't talking about these types of things as much. We're having some movements now. And I that gives me hope. I'm seeing momentum in certain areas. And I think the conversation is being started. And I think some things are being uncovered through all of this. And I'm hopeful that we can keep the momentum. I feel like we've, we've found community in these kind of movements in the past year. And connectiveness through the divisiveness, ironically. And yeah, that's my hope. That's my goal. That's, <laughs> that's my wish that we keep this momentum that we've kind of got going that we've uncovered in this past year. So this is Andrew. Um, and like I said, I worked in uh, various COVID units over this past summer. And oh, like I, I was saying before, I'm optimistic about um, the adaptability of people and how that can kind of translate into the solutions for climate change and drawdown. But I am concerned about 
um, the mental health crisis that we're um, facing due to the pandemic, as well as due to the climate crisis. Um, I took a uh, grassroots movement class on um, environmental environmental uh, movement building uh, this past semester, and uh, a big focus in that was how do we help people navigate through all the different types of emotions that we're feeling in the climate crisis, as well as now in COVID. Um, and when I worked this summer, I did a lot of talking with patients in um, patient rooms about um, just the future because a lot of these patients um, haven't don't normally come into the hospital or don't have the experience and they're doing it alone um, they're not able to have any family in the room um, and oftentimes I would see some patients who had been in the COVID ICU for almost two months um, they hadn't seen their family um, and their family hasn't seen them and just the ripple effect that um, this pandemic has had, I feel like we're gonna um, feel the lasting effects for years to come. Um, because personally, I have the, going through nursing school, I've developed those coping mechanisms through my classes to understand how to navigate through my um, feelings about the pandemic, as well as my feelings about climate change. And not everybody has those same coping mechanisms that I've been able to build. And um, so something I'm concerned about is the lasting effects that will um, come of COVID as well as um, the uh, climate crisis. I guess my, my overall feelings of that um, are, it's important for us, I most talked about out in this but it's important for us to remember what we've learned in this year and what we've seen um, and remember that this is not just a phase of our country, that it's something that we have to address. Um, and I, I've seen with climate change and climate uh, health that it's important for us to sustain our movements and sustain our passions and make sure that we recognize that while the work is, is long, it can be weary, it's so important. Um, and I think it was MLK who said that injustice anywhere, the threat is just everywhere. I mean, seeing with climate change and seeing with um, COVID how communities of color and how communities are being impacted the most. Um, it's important to continue to push uh, and continue to work towards finding it and I guess obtaining that justice. And it's important uh, for us to look not just at our individual actions and what we can do individually, but also um, hold accountable those in power and hold accountable um, the institutions and policies that we've built and work towards policies that are more equitable and, and work towards uh, institutions that give everyone a fighting chance, you know, give everyone the same fair chance. Yeah, terrific. Oh, that was inspiring to, to hear all of your comments. Thank you so much. They're impactful and I can, I can see your compassion and your commitment and that this has been influenced and impacted by this, uh, this, opportunity and i would say as a board member of annie this is i'm i'm proud of this work that annie has done too and i would turn to kara who has been this the annie staff person who's been leading this just to uh hear your words a little bit kara about this year and this process and this group of fine young nurses to be yeah so it's been such a pleasure for me to work with this amazing group um 
I haven't, opt, I don't often get a time opportunity in Annie to work with student nurses so closely. And I've really enjoyed this experience. I myself have learned a lot, um, even, even uh, though I've been working in environmental health for quite some time now, but it's, it's so great to be able to get new perspectives and see from um, this perspective of the next generation of nursing leaders of how do we engage new nurses in this work? How do we think differently about this work? Um, you know, and how can we continue to spread, um, you know, continue to build this environmental health nursing movement? And it's just been so inspirational for me. I've really enjoyed working with the group. Nice job, Kara, thank you. Well, this was just really great. I thank you all so much. I'm, I'm really thrilled to meet you all and I hope to see you all again. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's a challenging time for everyone and a challenging time to be a nursing student. These promising students have shown us how to find resilience and optimism in no small part through community, even if socially distanced. It was inspiring to me to be able to meet them and learn about their experiences. Our profession is in good hands. Thank you all for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast and me, Beth Shank, recording in Missoula, Montana. Please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Thanks and talk to you next time. <music>